0: Welcome to the Employee Safety Podcast from Alert Media, where you'll hear advice from experienced safety leaders on how to protect your people and business. I'm your host, Peter Steinfeld. When Hurricane Ian swept the shores of Florida in 2022, the state experienced catastrophic impacts. More than $100 billion in insured damages and nearly 150 fatalities. It also disrupted thousands of businesses, including Kohl's, the department store retail chain. With their associates and communities in dire need of support, Kohl's task force of more than 100 corporate leaders sprang into action to deploy their natural disaster playbook, including plans for crisis communication, business continuity, and unwavering assistance for their people in need. September 28th marks the first anniversary of Hurricane Ian, so I invited Stephanie Rising, Business Continuity Manager at Kohl's, to tell the incredible story of the company's response to this horrific storm. I think you'll find it's one to be applauded and emulated. Let's dive in. Stephanie, thanks so much for taking time to speak with me today.
1: Hi, Peter. Thanks so much for inviting me.
0: Well, let's go ahead and jump into it. So a lot of what organizations do is driven by their culture. So with that in mind, how does business continuity fit into the overall culture at Kohl's?
1: I would say business continuity is built into our culture here. We are very much caring about people, which is our associates and our customers. And that's what I do as a business continuity professional for Coles. So overall, we report up through risk and compliance, reporting up through our chief risk officer. So not only am I working on our business continuity plans, but I'm also part of our incident management team and our crisis management team, making sure that we have recovery plans in place for any type of business interruption and following through to when an interruption does occur, whether that is an incident such as a natural disaster, weather event, or something that rises to the level of a crisis like COVID-19 anything like that, my team is involved. And that is the overall culture of Kohl's. Caring about our associates, caring about our customers. That's all business continuity is, is planning to care about people.
0: And you've got buy-in from the very top, like anything you guys need to succeed in your mission, it comes right from the top down?
1: Absolutely. I'm very blessed at Kohl's with the leadership team that I have. They understand that we do have crises or incidents that happen, and we have to plan for those. So we have our plans on paper. We make sure we exercise those plans. It's always great to have that on paper. It looks great. You read it. You say, oh, I have all these amazing plans. But until you exercise them and make sure they actually will work, you never know.
0: Well, speaking of crises, what was the most significant business disruption Kohl's faced since you joined the company?
1: Well, I've been at Kohl's for five years. So definitely during our COVID times. But outside of COVID-19, I would say Hurricane Ian from 2022 was definitely one of the biggest interruptions that
0: I have faced here at Kohl's. So tell me more about what happened during Hurricane Ian.
1: Hurricane Ian was a Category 4 storm that impacted western Florida, eastern Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina areas in 2022. It was a very large storm. It was the first time that I have had to enact our natural disaster playbook. So the last time Kohl's had to enact our natural disaster playbook was the year before I joined the company. That was during Hurricane Harvey in 2017. And in this playbook, if there is a storm that is very significant, where it has very big community impact or Kohl's asset impact, we enact our playbook to provide different support for our associates and our customers in times of that disaster.
0: So is that something that you would activate if only one store were impacted, or does it have to be multiple stores?
1: It would have to be multiple stores, where it would be significantly impactful to the community, to our Coles location, or our associates. So there's always the lens of reviewing, do we need to activate the playbook for each storm? You can tell if it, the storm's going to be a Category 4 or higher, that we're going to have all eyes on that playbook to see if we need to enact that. And there's multiple partners that go into our playbook. As far as running an incident, we have our field incident management team, and we have core partners between our human resources, loss prevention, facilities, our logistics partners, and then, of course, our leaders in the field, our multi-store leaders who support our stores. We're all on the calls to prepare, to figure out what is happening, when do we need to close stores, when could we possibly reopen? All those kinds of details to make sure that our associates can get home and prepare their families. And we try to take as much off of their plate as possible.
0: So as much as people in continuity, safety, and security roles like to project a stoic face during these types of incidents, what was that like for you personally as you were going through Hurricane Ian?
1: Whenever we get anything above a Category 3, my sense of urgency definitely changes. And we sense that from our store teams as well because you don't know how bad that storm's going to be. We've all learned about the Hurricane Katrina's, the Hurricane Harvey's, Hurricane Sandy's. So those are things that start to come into your mind of what is going to happen to this area. How are we going to respond afterwards? So things that come into mind are how are we going to plan our calls to prepare, being very mindful of the time that people are spending on these calls. Some of our calls can get pretty large and that's great. It's to coordinate multiple teams So we're all collaborating, we're all talking about the same things, and we know what's going on. And then communicating that out to the team. It can take a lot of time. So we try to be mindful of how many meetings we're having, how long those meetings are lasting, and what work can be done between our larger all-hands team calls.
0: And it seems like when these things happen, emotions can get heightened, people don't know quite what to do, it's not normal. So how important is practicing and planning ahead of time to essentially avoid that deer in the headlights feeling when you do get in that situation.
1: Yeah, that is huge. So we do the same cadence of our calls and the same agenda every time. So everybody knows what to expect. They know when their team's going to be asked to give an update and they know when our follow-up communication is coming out to them. So we try to stick to exactly the same cadence every time to take any of that extra anxiety about attending a meeting, speaking in a large call, you know, presenting to people. Take any of that out that we can to make it as seamless as possible.
0: Now, with so many locations impacted, there were probably just a ton of different decisions that had to be made. What were some of the biggest ones?
1: Absolutely. So this was my first incident where we've had to actually close an entire district of stores. Wow. Typically, you could get a few stores that might close in the district. Maybe a neighboring district will have a few stores closed. But this, we closed our entire western coast of Florida. And that is the first time for me that that has ever happened. And almost the whole state of Florida really was almost closed. But this is the first time an entire district was closed, which was significant. And our first thought is always, how are we going to get a generator to stage close to the area? And we have had experiences in the past during storms where our generators we place on hold get commandeered. You know, we understand we are not a grocery store. We understand, you know, that... A hospital would take precedence over us. If they need a generator, we might get those taken. So we have experience with that. And we try to be very thoughtful in how many generators we put on hold, knowing that we may not get those generators if other businesses need them more than us. So those are some of the earliest decisions to think about. And then screening our stores. So not all of our stores have hurricane screens, but some of them do. We think about when are we deploying those. For stores without screens, when are those getting boarded up? And our facilities team is amazing. They have been through so many of these storms. They have such good relationships with our vendors. And they are so prepared and on top of things to make sure that we get the stores taken care of so that we can get our associates home, take care of themselves and their families, and try to take all of that extra anxiety off of them, which this is a very anxious time preparing for this. And we want to make sure we take all of that off of their place.
0: Yeah, you're right. It's not just about the business. It's about the people. And the people ultimately make up the business. So you have to think of both things and balance them.
1: Absolutely. And forecasts change all the time, right? And so that's what happened with Hurricane Ian as well. So our initial group that we had preparing on our calls changed. So some of our initial participants, they were on all of the calls. But as the forecast changed, we brought in different groups. We call them tiers. So we'd be like our tier one stores or tier two stores of who might be impacted first, what we do for that group of stores, and then our next group of stores. So we were adding multiple partners to the calls, making sure that I was in communication with our senior leaders to make sure we weren't missing anybody on the calls that needed to be involved and have the same information that everybody else had.
0: I think that's a really big point you just brought up. Things tend to change as a hurricane unfolds, and real-time communication becomes super vital. You have to observe what's happening, adjust your plan, call audibles and then communicate them so everyone's in the loop on what has to be done. So can you talk a bit more about what role communication played in your Hurricane Ian response?
1: Absolutely. So our communication plan within our field incident team is one piece. And then we have the communication piece that goes to our associates. And that's what we use alert media for, is that push notification to our associates to let them know what's going on. So I'll talk about our field incident communication first. So Whenever we do see, which we monitor National Hurricane Center every day from June to November, well, even May through November, because some storms happen earlier than yep. June, Yep. we monitor every day. And when we see a system is starting and when forecasts say it might make landfall in the U.S., we reach out to our field partners and start talking about correct timing. For when do we get the team together? Do we just get our core team of our HR team, security team? together with our facilities team, or do we do an all-hands call right away? So the forecast really dictates that and then how quickly the storm is moving. And we'll do calls twice a day with the same group. We try to be really cognizant of how long the calls take because these are very large calls once we get the whole team together to make sure that teams not only can update us on what they're doing, but that they have enough time to go and execute those actions before our next call. To see if there's any other decisions that need to be made on those specific days as we're waiting for the storm to arrive. Then there's the second piece, which is so critical, which is communicating with our associates to let them know what's going on. We try to be very thoughtful in when we close our stores because we know not only do customers maybe need to buy additional items and prepare themselves for the storm, but we want to make sure our associates get home so that they prepare their families, You know, if they need to evacuate and leave early, all of those different aspects that come into when a hurricane is going to arrive. And we try to be very communicative with them to let them know when the store will be closing. And then we send multiple communications after the storm. So we will always send out an impact message asking if they've been impacted. There's multiple response options that we can use through alert media to say, press one for I was not impacted all the way through multiple options to tell us how they were impacted. And that triggers an additional response on our end. If they do say they were impacted, then a member of our human resources team reaches out to find out what that impact was and how we as Cools can help them.
0: That's fantastic that you put the employees first and you really think about their well-being well before the storm comes so you can give them time to prepare. A lot of organizations don't do that, and that's a really important thing. Because if they're more prepared before the disaster, they're more likely to be able to come back quickly once the disaster has passed, essentially.
1: Absolutely. And we do once a year send what we call an all-territory notification exercise using alert media. So our associates that live in coastal areas definitely have experience with getting an alert media message. But some of them may go a whole year with never being impacted and never needing a notification to say, your location is closing. So we do every May ahead of hurricane season, nationwide, we do a test the same day, the same time, and we show them what the message looks like. Mm. So We do a practice message, let them know this is what the message would look like if we have to close your store, and we do ask them to respond so that they get practice knowing that we will ask you to respond and give us your answer.
0: How do you feel that cadence is? Is once a year that you seem to think that works pretty well for your people? Anything more might be a little aggressive. They might start to ignore it.
1: Yes. So we do this is the second year here in 2023 that we've done the all territory notification exercise, but we do quarterly send a report to our field leadership of who's missing contact information Mm. within our HRIS system, because that's how we populate our alert media contact details is directly through our HRIS system. And if someone doesn't have their contact information in there or it's incorrect, then we can't reach them during an exercise. So we do the test once a year and then quarterly do follow up to ask them to put in contact information, including if they have an emergency contact.
0: Oh, that's great. I think that's an excellent balance between just making sure people are familiar with the technology and what they can expect. And then the harder part is just always making sure you've got up-to-date data (laughs) for folks. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. Well, what were some of the other things that you did to support your employees and perhaps the community at large during the hurricane?
1: So when we knew we needed to enact our natural disaster playbook, there's multiple additional steps we can take to provide relief for our associates or our customers. The number one thing we can do is provide a discount. So for the disaster zip code areas, we can push out an additional discount. For both our associates and our customers. Wow. And something that's nice for our associates is they can use this disaster discount on top of their associate discount that they already get. So, you know, we understand, again, we are not a grocery store, but we do have your home comfort items where if you do lose multiple items in your home due to flooding, you can come to Kohl's, get a fresh pillow, get a fresh blanket. Some of those comfort items are so nice. Get a new plushie for your kid anything to provide relief for our customers and really show our promise of caring about people.
0: Yeah, just little things like that can make such a big difference when people are essentially, for lack of a better term, freaked out about what's going on around them. When a storm impacts you, you never think it's going to be as bad as it is. And when it hits, just the smallest things like that can make all the difference in the world. Did Kohl's receive any feedback from employees or members of the community in general on the support or resources that you provided them?
1: I recall one of our Last field incident calls, I got something that was such a great compliment that I will always remember because my goal as a business continuity professional is to take the angst out of planning for emergencies. There's always the joke of, oh, Stephanie, if I'm talking to you, that means something's wrong. Well, that, that may be because I get involved when there's an emergency. But one of the best compliments I got was from one of our leaders in the Carolina area who commented on this process, that changes that I've made to our field incident process since I've been at Kohl's were night and day difference for him. Joining our large calls, being on there for 15, 20 minutes, and then being able to quickly get the information he needed was great for him. He had shared that he has been through many hurricanes. He's been through many response calls at Kohl's. But this was, even though this was a significant storm, this was one of the least stressful incidents he'd been involved in. And part of that was the difference in the process that we've built through our field incident management team.
0: Oh, that's great because anxiety is a big part of it. And if people don't know what to expect or what the company's going to do for them, it just adds to that. It piles on and then it just devolves from there. So fantastic to hear that you got that kind of feedback. That's great. Were there any real big lessons learned that led to any changes in the natural disaster playbook after the hurricane passed?
1: Yes. So in part of our playbook, it's all about caring for people. It is about making sure that we provide relief to our associates and our customers. And a big piece that we've had an opportunity to update was around associate relief items. So we have added into our playbook moving forward. We make sure during our annual update that we have the plans in place still, but we now store some associate relief items. Annually, so that we are ready to ship them to the impacted area. So, that could be water, that could be flashlights, that could be power banks for charging cell phones, things like that, that we have now added to our playbook. We have them stored close by the Gulf and that we are ready to deploy them wherever they're needed.
0: That's great. We had a previous guest on the show. It was probably a couple of years ago at this point, but they also talked about living through a hurricane and another item that they said that they have on hand is cash, because in an emergency people can't access things, ATMs are down. So just being able to quickly give people cash assistance during that, that emergency. So I think that's a great idea, just having that cash of cash, water, all those other things to be ready when the storm hits can make a huge difference. That's great. Absolutely. Well, hurricanes can certainly be devastating, and Ian was particularly so. And it's fantastic to know that organizations like Kohl's are ready and willing to take care of their people and their communities. It just makes such a big difference in outcomes. So to wrap things up, do you have any advice or perhaps lessons learned on business continuity that could help our listeners be better prepared for disasters like Hurricane Ian?
1: I would say always promote your program. Share what you're doing to prepare your company and to prepare your team members. Try to make business continuity easy. Not everybody does this every day. Use common terms. Make sure to take any planning off of their plate that you can help with. And the biggest thing at the end of the day is to remember that it is always people first, business second.
0: Yeah, that's huge. You know, I'd love for you to get into that a little bit more deeply promoting your program. I think a lot of people struggle with that. How do we promote these types of things across the organization?
1: Yeah, I said earlier that. Sometimes people feel when I'm talking to them, it's because, oh, there's an emergency, something is wrong. But really being part of the team and building those relationships is key. Making sure you're not only reaching out during an emergency, that you're talking about, here's our plan, this is our strategy, getting that alignment. And then really being able to share your results. So if you're doing an exercise, for sure, there's going to be an action item that comes out of the exercise. That's a good thing that's showing that you are making improvements on the plan that already exists. So sharing what those action items are, following through on what those actions are, and then reporting out when, hey, these items are solved, we're gonna move on to the next item. What else can we dig into? How else can we be more resilient? And then really building those relationships. If something is going sideways, you wanna know that your team members know they can reach out to you. And even if you can't solve the immediate problem, you should know what partner within your organization to reach out to to solve that problem together. And I think another thing is having the courage to speak up to keep people safe. So I can think of an example during COVID-19 in the early days of our response where we were still having in-person meetings. In our whole crisis management team, which is about 30 individuals, some of our senior leaders of the company, we were all still meeting in the same conference room. And this is when the CDC was starting to recommend making sure that if you did meet in person, that you had 10 people or less in a conference room, that you kept doors open, that you started to social distance, things like that. So I had a meeting with my three direct supervisors and thinking through, what else do we need to be doing? What more should we be doing? And I remember thinking, okay, you have to make the recommendation to move this meeting virtual. And I'm the lowest person on the totem pole in this meeting. And I said, I think we need to move the meeting virtual, which at the time was huge because you did not do virtual meetings at this time. And it was the longest seven seconds of my life that I waited for our chief risk officer to say, "Okay, Steph, make it happen. And that was a huge day when I changed all of our meetings from our conference room that we had been using, to virtual only. But being part of the business continuity world, we need to be that voice for our leaders. When they ask, what else do we need to be doing? You have to have the courage to tell them what else they need to be doing, and then they can make the ultimate decision. But making those tough risk recommendations, that's part of our job.
0: Yeah, without a doubt, that's what you're hired to do is to help people understand and assess and mitigate risk. And if you're not speaking up, then you're not doing your job. So kudos to you. Well, Stephanie, this has been really great. A lot of actionable advice based on lessons learned from a real experience. So thank you so much for your time and for sharing.
1: Thank you, Peter. I enjoyed speaking with you.
0: To learn more about Stephanie and her work at Kohl's, check the links in the show notes. We'll be back next week with more insights and ideas for keeping your people safe. If you want these episodes delivered straight to your inbox, click the link to subscribe. Thanks for listening. And as always, have a safe week, everyone.
1: Thank you for listening to the Employee Safety Podcast from Alert Media, the industry's most
0: intuitive emergency communication and threat intelligence solution. To learn more about how to protect your people and business during critical events, visit alertmedia.com. Until next time.